Oh yeah, we're back, baby. Welcome back to Settle the Far. This is Corey Garvey, your podcast host, coming from beautiful England, where I talk to people who've made big jumps in their lives. That might be moving to a new country, starting a new job, or even finding themselves in the kitchen for the first time in a while, with some dream in their eye and some hunger in their belly. This week, I talked to Peter and Chris, two friends of mine, about a little adventure we took, making tacos at home. This week was a good one. I actually made it over to the office. It's a nice one hour in, one hour out of London, and that commute was part of the best aspect of my entire trip. I walk over to the train in the morning, still a little bit dark, hop on with all the other commuters, make my way on these super fast trains, and then take the last leg as a bike ride through London. It's actually quite enjoyable. A little bit cold, a little bit, a little bit cold on the hands, but it's the same ride that I was taking very frequently when I was living in London, and it brings the nostalgia back, so can't say it's all that bad. Definitely worth the freezingness on my hands. Um, what else happened this week? Me and my wife got ourselves into the Tony Robbins once a year breakthrough class. I think she's upstairs listening to that right now. And man, I love Tony Robbins. If you've never listened to Tony Robbins, you think he's uh, some type of guru. I can tell you he's not. He tells you that on the Netflix special. He also is not really BSing. You know, this guy is as much a psychologist as he is a motivational speaker. He really knows his stuff. And I feel like, and he would say this, a lot of it is just through experience. I personally have listened to a lot of his uh, interviews and things. I also read and worked through one of his books, Awaken the Giant Within. Phenomenal. I mean, he really understands how to help a person envision what it is they want and make the, the real deep core changes that allow them to achieve things they want in totally separate, you know, all different areas of your life. So this breakthrough course, it's a lot of similar material, but man, it's so important to go back to that and think about who am I? Who are the, the, who's the person that I tell myself I am and who do I actually want to become? Um, the one thing that really stuck out to me was a conversation he was having with the founder of Spanx and her husband. And her husband was giving a little introduction of her, talking about her journey from being, you know, just a, a somewhat poor, someone who didn't have much investment in, in this idea that they had into the huge successful businesswoman she is now. And one thing that he pointed out was he said, you know, you look around the room and only one person can be the tallest, can be the most beautiful, can be the smartest. But anybody in this room can decide to be the person who cares the most. And that really stuck with me. You know, it's this, this caring that has an effect so much greater than any other aspect that we can bring to the table. I found it in my own work just today. I went into each conversation and each project that I'm working on thinking, if I'm the person who cares the most, how much more is that going to help me contribute? How much is that going to help me succeed in getting us to our goal and getting me to the goals that I have within this project? And it's unreal how that kind of mindset and just understanding that, you know, you can care the most. It doesn't matter if I walk in 
to a conversation and I don't know as much, I can be the person who wants to get things done, asks the hard questions that might be hard for me. You know, I might have to put my pride to the side. I might have to admit that I don't know things in front of people who expect me to know them. But I can contribute more and I can help more and I can get us to where we want to be by caring that we get there and by making sure that I can, you know, what did I just hear? I can, um, I can affect the outcome. I can be the person that decides, okay, there's an outcome I want to see. I'm going to make sure we get there. It's, it's, it's really awesome to have these experiences where I can just hit up YouTube and feel like my whole life gets shook, even if only for a few days, um, just by different people who are, are putting out such awesome content. So hopefully Settle the Far is that, can be that, but um, if not, head over to Tony Robbins on YouTube because I'm telling you, he's bringing the heat. Pick up his book, Awaken the Giant. I have no sponsorship deals with Tony in case you were wondering, but quite quite a phenomenal speaker, writer, motivator, definitely worth worth your time. Finally, uh, let's get on to the tacos. Me and my friends Pete, Chris, we decided cooking. This is a thing we love. We chat about it on WhatsApp all the time. We chat about it in person. We go out. We eat together when we're together. And we all decided to make tacos separately. That was the only real um, rule here. Make some tacos. Come on the pod. Let's talk about it. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I certainly believe I have a long way to go as a podcast host, but these two guys, they seem to have it down already. They're really succinct, really clear, really good cooks, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So here we go. Tacos. Hey, Pete. Thanks for joining. Good to see you. Hey, Garth. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I have had a bunch of podcasts, which I hope you've listened to some of them previously, and I'm trying to make it a little less formal here, so we got our cooking experience to chat about. Um, Before we get into that, our taco making, I want to just talk a little cooking, a little history of cooking between the two of us. We have a little WhatsApp group. The third member is strangely absent from this conversation right now uh hopefully he'll join it yeah hopefully he'll join at some point basically i didn't get into cooking until i started living with him that was almost god almost 10 years ago now maybe um my question for you how much are you cooking during the week this these days what's your what's your weekly cooking routine like I guess to answer your first question, I'm probably cooking something once a day, but that could just be like eggs in the morning, something fairly simple versus a more extensive, I'll say, dinner for my family. Um, My general routine, uh, my wife and I both like to cook, which is an excellent part of our uh, relationship, I'd say. So... I would say we probably split the duties. So maybe if we cook, let's just say average five dinners a night, or excuse me, a week, maybe she's doing two and I'm doing three or she's doing three, I'm doing two. Sure. Um, and then maybe we'll, you know, do takeout or go out for the other two nights a week. So we try to 
have that type of routine, which I think balances a few things. Um, first thing is health. I feel like you can control the ingredients and know what's going into your food when you're cooking at home. Um, I think it also helps from a budget perspective, just helps you control costs a little bit. Obviously it just costs more to get takeout meals and, um, third, but I probably should have mentioned this first. It's, it's definitely a, in, in our opinion, a fun exercise to do like with your spouse and our daughter and family just to be cooking or making something together, being together in the kitchen. Yeah. Are you cooking? You said you cook five meals and maybe get two meals out. Do you ever cook, do meal prep sort of thing? Do you cook with future meals in mind, having some leftovers? We definitely will cook, try to cook, a, you know, a, maybe like take the recipe and multiply it by 1.5 or 2. I have found that sometimes you get into trouble with that. By trouble, I mean the recipe doesn't always turn out the way you expect it to. Yeah. Um, I think this is probably obvious, but like some recipes are certainly written for a certain size. And I, I've just had experience where if I double it and I realize like this was not as good as I intended to be, or was maybe created some challenges along the ways of, of, of when I was cooking it, like maybe the pot I had wasn't a good size or, yeah. um, I, I miscalculated the doubling. So I, I run into trouble with that sometimes, but, um, yeah, I mean, most dishes we make, will we'll usually have leftovers that we'll use probably honestly for like a lunch the next day, not necessarily to have for dinner another night in the week. Um, so we'll usually take those leftovers and put them to someone's lunch, whether it's my wife or myself or our daughter. Yeah. Yeah, we end up – we have a pretty similar schedule where we both cook. I usually do more cooking during the week, I think, just because I – my wife's better at taking care of our kid during that time. And he he wants to be with her, so it leaves me to cook. I'm a little bit faster with the cooking too, so that helps get it on the table. Um, but she cooks things – sort of meal prep for him a lot, which is these full full nutritional meals, I would say. So maybe some type of uh, base of rice or bulgur or something like that. And then vegetables cut up and some meat mixed in there. And we'll have definitely extra. So I usually don't eat this personally because I'm not a big... Uh, rice, bulgur, grain sort of person. But we'll have a, a Tupperware of this sitting in our uh, in our fridge most of the time, and it's super convenient for our son. Like most, if we if we're gonna cook a normal meal on a Tuesday night for us, it will be ideally some some protein, some vegetables on the side, or something like that. But then sometimes we like forget to get stuff for ourselves or something like that, or whatever we're eating is kind of trashy and we don't want to give that to our son. So we're giving him just this kind of mix that he has that we make maybe on Sunday or make an extra batch. Uh, and, and yeah, that's been, that's been really effective. Um, so in your routine cooking a few days a week, you and your wife, what are some of the, what are some of the staples? The meals you you maybe find yourself making consistently, either weekday or weekend. I know we talk a lot about you know we we rarely are uh, 
texting each other photos, I think, of our weekday meals. It's usually our our, our weekend splurging, but either weekend or weekdays. What are the uh, what are the staples, or maybe even the ones that you like cooking the most? Good question. Um, I guess just touching back on your planning point, I think on Sunday we liked like our meal planning situation is a little bit different from yours. We'll hopefully like actually research and write out like the recipes we want to make on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and then we'll buy the ingredients for that. So like I was, I'm just trying to go back to your, your point about you and Aslan and Narda. We're just going to feed Louisa, whatever we're making. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit different. So we're like, Hey, we're going to make this, um, uh, I, I'm just I, this is sticking in my head. I, we made uh, these cauliflower tinga tacos um, like two weeks ago. They were okay, but um, we're going to make those. They're a little spicy, so we cut down the spice, but we're going to feed that to Louise as well. Like She's going to eat yeah. whatever whatever we're eating. I should um, be clear that when, when Asahan cooks this, she usually wants me to eat it, and I am just, <laughs> I, I am just super stubborn because I... I come into dinner or lunch and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't eat carbs. And then I will cook myself a frozen pizza at like 10 PM. So <laughs> I'm just kind of a bastard about it, but she and Arda will eat this stuff and I, I'll, I'll have some of it, but um, sometimes it depends what it is. So it's not, so we, we try are, to plan we are out, eating the same stuff. Yeah. So we'll try to plan out, like I said, we'll try to find like three or four recipes and say, like, we're going to make this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then, like, leftovers should get us Friday. Um, we're also big on, like, a, a Friday. Uh, this is actually pretty fun. Um, Carolyn's mom calls it yo-yo days. Like, you're on your own. So, basically, re- like, Reese would love this. I wish Reese was on. It's, like, find stuff in the pantry to make a, a meal with. Yeah. Um, so, that's kind of our routine. Um, sometimes we do a good job of it. Sometimes we don't. We're kind of scrambling on Monday to say like, what's for dinner tonight? And we have to go shopping for it. Um, but if we're having, if we're being organized about our week, we'll, we'll plan those meals and then shop that same day on Sunday for basically all the ingredients for the week um, to try and make those last. Um, again, from a budget perspective and also just from a time perspective, like I don't want to go to the grocery store multiple times a week. I've, I've, experience that and uh so that's kind of our routine and then on the weekends like you said there's kind of a delineation i would say i in my mind i'm kind of like every saturday or maybe sunday depending on what our schedule is i'm hoping to be able to cook some sort of more elaborate meal i'll just say um like you said give me me an example uh like short ribs like we always talk about short ribs on our (laughs) i try to pop those in like to me that's something that would be more elaborate just because I'm, I'm not going to pay for the short ribs for like a, just a, a quick Monday night meal after work. Like I want to enjoy the process. Um, so I kind of will take my time and have more of a uh, experience on the weekends versus when I'm cooking during the weekdays. Like it's definitely a bit of a time crunch. I try to enjoy it, but there's certainly that scheduling aspect that you're trying to like finish work, make sure that dinner is going to be on the table for you know, you and your yeah. wife and, and daughter before she's, she's going to go to bed. So, but on the weekends, like short ribs is something that I, 
just generally enjoy, and it's usually like a slow cooked, um, or I think it's always a slow cooked uh, situation. Um, but I just I, I love meals like that where it's kind of like a base of of meat and aromatics, so some vegetables, and then you're creating some sort of broth or um, sauce, or I, I don't know exactly what it's called, or or, or juice maybe is is a, is a word that might describe how, it. How with, do you? Are you cooking it in like a crock pot? Is this on, on top of the stove or do you put it in the oven? Um, I've never done it in the crock pot actually. It's usually a, a stove top situation and then in the oven to yeah to cook. Uh, Dutch you know, oven, you just cover it up and put it to in. To braise, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. I, I also, on the weekend, have found myself... I get I, I go for my homesick meals a little bit more maybe you don't have this but when i'm if i get more homesick at some point in time maybe right after i I returned from new york from the holidays i will immediately go to like vodka sauce and because i just miss it maybe i feel like i you know that moment when you like return somewhere and you miss wherever you just were um and that's like a weekend thing. I have no no desire to. I have no desire to do all that work during the week. Although I have done some slow cooking during the week, like a lamb shoulder, which is similar, you know, slow cooked like short ribs. And it's nice because you end up having all this meat for the rest of the week. So if you do it early in the week, you kind of have it sitting around. I love having some slow cooked tender meat like sitting in the fridge because you can just mix it with a lot of stuff. You can throw it. I, you know, you could throw it on a, on a frozen pizza, let's say, and you just up the game there on the frozen pizza. The late night frozen pizza with a little braised lamb shoulder is a nice touch at night. Uh, Make a taco, okay. yeah. Before we get into these tacos, um, and maybe maybe all this coming together, what is the the vision of yourself as a home cook? That's like where you want to get to. Are you there right now? Are you, uh, is there, is there a, a professional future ahead of you on the cooking side or are you just, are you just like a a dad who knows how to cook? Sounds like more Um, than that. I mean, if you're making, uh, some, some short ribs on the weekends and I just knowing you, I know you're a a fan of cooking. Yeah. I'm a fan in food in, in general. I'm definitely a, um thoroughly enjoy most foodie foods uh <laughs> and and consuming food probably a little little too much um i don't know i i've 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 been into cooking since i'd say like high school i really kind of got into it um and i've never I, i've i've thought about becoming a chef i never have obviously but um i don't know right now i don't really have like a, a goal in mind in terms of like profession or where I want to get to, I guess like the one thing that I'd like to work on and we kind of did this with our, our tacos is just being able to like build flavors on my own. Um, again, I, I think cooking sometimes gets a more difficult wrap than it is. Like if you can follow a recipe, I mean, that's all I do. I just follow recipes. It's not that challenging. I think most people could do that, but um, like being able to taste something and then say, Oh, this needs, um, a little bit more salt or a little bit more pepper. Maybe this needs some cayenne pepper. 
that's something that I'm trying to work on, like just being able to have my palate be more, maybe intelligence the word, um, about what is in a dish. I'd say that that's something that I'm trying to work towards right now. Yeah, as a, I think a lot of, I think it's true that, that you can kind of just start with recipes too. A lot of people, I think, believe you have to go right into, uh, or, or work on that kind of stuff, but you really can just work off of recipes and then tinker with them. And things like having your daughter can't eat spicy stuff. You know, you want to remove maybe the cayenne pepper, the chili powder, but you still want to make it taste good. How are you going to balance it out with that? Uh, and I think, I mean, let's bring in the third member of this this little uh, convo here. Mr. Reesey, good for you to join us. Good to see you. Late as always, my friends. Late as always. Oh, it's early over there. You know, I'll give you a break. Sunday morning. Slow, were you at, you must have been at a service. That's right. That's right. Mass? Yeah. <laughs> Correct you are. Church of God. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the same question over to you. What's your vision of yourself as a home cook? Are you there yet? The vision of myself as a home cook. Um, <clears throat> so I think, step back, <laughs> I didn't grow up in a baking house. <laughs> so... It was always done by feel. So I think I, uh, I view myself as someone that can get away with cooking without recipes on some level. Um, but I do find comfort in recipes. <laughs> do you use recipes very much? you cook with recipes at all? You know what? I don't. But I think I actually, like, I do like the results because it gets you out of your comfort zone. Like there, I like. There's only so many ways I'm gonna spice a dish, right? Like, there's only so many ways I'm gonna cook something. And then, you know, take a recipe and you're like, oh, that's that's that, that's that's an interesting thing. Uh, yeah. Gonna, so I, I I think I mostly cook what I like to like. I like the taste of, and I know how to do. Um, but I just got a new. What thing. is it? What what is the the comfort zone for Chris Reese's home cooking? Comfort zone for me is like uh, super spicy, overly <laughs> <Some really> herbed <laughs> vegetables, like a lot of roasted chicken and uh, you know fried veggies. Okay, R- full chicken. Full chicken or chicken thighs. Not a breast guy. Fair, and on. I guess this is something I'm curious for both of you. What um, what's the what's the tools you're using most frequently when cooking regular dishes? So you say you do these, uh, let's say, roasting chicken thighs, frying some vegetables. I feel like what slows a lot of people down who don't cook at all is that they either come into the game and they feel like they have to get everything. And don't really know that maybe there's a few basics that are going to make things good. And and even stepping back from that, I find that a lot of, especially men that cook, can't cook anything except a piece of meat and don't know their way around a stove and a, a stove oven situation. It seems like for some reason men feel like the grill is like this, you know, the only place you could do some cooking. Uh, what are you cooking with? How are you roasting chicken? How are you frying up 
veggies? Are you using these tools all the time? Yeah, I mean, I use, I have toaster oven that can fit, you know. Toaster oven? Yeah, toaster oven, set it to roast. Uh, it's convection. And yeah, that's how I do chicken thighs. How many chicken thighs do you fit in there? Like four, four or five. You just turn it on. And it's got like a mini, a mini pan? Effectively, like that does it real quick. That way, I don't have to worry about like this big gigantic oven being hot and wasting all that energy. So I do that, and then veggies. I mean, like the main things you need is what a cutting board, a good sharp knife, preferably. Go and sharpen it, <laughs> and a good pan, and probably one of those silicon paddle things. You're good to go. Yeah, yeah. How about your spice rack? You have a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, we have two. I, honestly, the problem is, is that spices get they get dry after a while. I have like three different cabinets of spices, with me. but in, in, like unless they're powders, even powders, like all of them, they have a shelf life. Um, so I'd say there's like only six that I really use, which are salt, pepper. Cumin, uh, cinnamon for coffee, um, and a bunch of like chili powders. Do you use garlic powder? I use fresh garlic mostly. But that's not Fair enough. garlic powder, just I haven't picked it up. <laughs> and if there, I'd rather get garlic. Garlic, I think, is great. I mean, I put, so if I'm making chicken thighs or something, I'm going to like have the oven on for a while. I always put garlic in there. That way, then it's probably on you like you you roast some garlic. Roast it, yeah, yeah. You throw like you know garlic, a little bit of olive oil in tin foil, wrap it up, let it sit in there. There an hour, it's basically butter. Yeah, roasted garlic is phenomenal, and really the whole toaster oven. I know the toaster oven you're talking about. We live together. We use that all the time. We could use one over here. It's a big problem having a kid and having an oven, at least for us, because it gets super hot, and oh. even the door gets hot. Not... Yeah. That's it's a little problematic. All right. So I want to hear a little bit about the uh, the main point of this conversation or the focus of it, which was us all deciding to independently make tacos or agreeing on making tacos um, there wasn't much other, uh, I guess directions than just let's go with tacos. Sounds like Reese probably didn't use a recipe, but maybe he did. Maybe this is getting out of the comfort zone. Um, first, each of you, Pete first, maybe, uh, what's, what's the, what's your ideal of a taco? What's the best taco you've had? Or what do you look at as hey, this is what tacos are in my mind. Either the best or maybe a, a history that you have with specific tacos, um, either in restaurants or home cooking or something like that. Yeah, so I'd say there's been a, an arc and an evolution of my uh, feelings about tacos. I think I started off with a uh, maybe a more Americanized view of tacos where there's a lot of stuff in it, a lot of cheese and accoutrements, but I've uh, 
over the past couple of years, I've come to appreciate that a good taco is really very simple. So uh, a very good taco shell, preferably homemade if you can do that or find that. Um, uh, a, a very well or uh, corn or flour. flavorful. Excuse me? For the, for the shell, are you looking for corn or flour? I think traditionally it's corn, maize. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm, I've gone very traditional on, on my feelings towards this. Um, a, a very well, uh, like flavorful meat, fish, or even vegetable. Um, and honestly, like in terms of toppings, like maybe a little bit of raw onion um, and maybe maybe some lime. And I guess my inspiration for this is um, this place in, in New York City that I used to go to, um, I think it's called Taqueria St. Mark's. It's on St. Mark's and First. And it's, it's like a divey restaurant bar, but they make the best tacos I've ever had. Not that I've traveled extensively and, and have eaten tacos over the world, but at least in my experience, it was the best taco I ever had. And um, they kind of serve their tacos the way that I described to you. They have like six or seven. I think one of them is cactus. So they have like a vegetable option. They have cactus. They have uh, cow tongue, which is La Lengua. I think that's actually their best seller. It's very good. Um, and then they have some traditional like beef and pork. Um, but it's just a really right. flavorful like meat or vegetable. And then they top it with a little bit of, um, like I said, raw like white or Spanish onion and then a lime wedge. And it's... I assume these are our, our sort of smaller tacos, right? So we're not talking like... At the grocery store, you can get that tortilla that sits between the uh, the sort of it's like a lar- it's like a sizable pancake sized tortilla. You know, it's not a burrito sized, and it's not the small size that you get at the taqueria sometimes. What the ones you're talking about, or maybe what you're thinking about, is this small tortilla shell, and and is it one of those double tortilla that they give you on each taco? They do stack them. Uh, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? You split the meat and go two tacos. No, I'm not gonna. If a chef is giving me something, in my opinion, I'm gonna I'm gonna consume it the way that that person okay. intended it to be. So I'm gonna eat it. Uh, both shells together with with the the filling. Yeah. And it's never too much. Like I I don't know if you're trying to get at this, but I don't eat it and think, oh, I wish there was only one shell. Usually that first shell has soaked up a lot of the um the juices from whatever the the meat yeah. or vegetable star of the of the dishes yeah uh that that sounds like the taco the modern taco the modern restaurant taco that i found in other uh like whether it's san francisco or london you go in you probably have one of those taco racks on the metal the metal taco rack that has uh probably three tacos i would imagine maybe two tacos to an order you can choose your different meats and they'll give you a mix and match of of those different tacos um how about you reese is there a is there an ideal taco in your mind or even a history of 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 what a taco is in your head did you have history making tacos as a kid
Yeah. The... <laughs> and everything comes in the box, right? The entire kit. Yeah. And those uh those tacos kind of I think created the whole hard shell versus soft shell. Maybe it was Taco Bell, but also Ortega, hard shell versus soft shell. I've never been to a taqueria that is not Taco Bell that has a con conception of a hard shell taco. I feel like that's sort of a um a marketing thing for the nacho lovers just to kind of bring them bring them involved and over here in England they they're still selling that Ortega taco kit it is a, it is um you know you have the international food aisle and on the international food aisle there's there's a lot of indian food there is some american food there's kind of an american food section but then there's a Mexican food section, which I've been imp I was impressed when we'll get into this in a second. Like the Mexican food section had a good amount of stuff, but it also had the Ortego Ortega taco kit, um, which I steered away from. Thankfully, although this is, has, this actually is getting me excited for maybe going back and hitting up the the Ortega kit. Um, but these days. Nothing wrong with the Ortega kit. These days, Chris, is there a – do you have a favorite taco? Is there somewhere like, like Pete that's there, that seems to have nestled itself in your head as what a, the right taco is? Uh, I, I realized when I – so I first tried to make tacos where I used chicken that I shredded. Um, and what I realized was – I will never make one as I can never make a chicken taco as tasty as a taqueria because they're going to cook it longer and in bigger quantities um, than I ever would to have like a a meal in a reasonable time. <laughs> if you want to make tacos for like eating in a while or really like plan out your meal, um, then I think you can do that. But if not. Then actually, I think the best way to go is fish taco, and that's what I did. I had a fish taco. Yeah, and it's hard to make that slow cooked meat as like meat as flavorful as they can make it. Well, it's just not. It's not like uh, it's not a good weekday workday meal, um, which is what I was trying to do. Um, but weekends, it's great to just like put meat in a, a pot and like let it sit and braise. That's cool. Yeah. All right. um, but that's like my deal is like crumbly, melt in your mouth uh, meat. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I had a taco that kind of was life changing 
that was a fish taco down in Baja in Mexico. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've eaten as good of a taco or maybe, maybe 10 dishes in my life as good have been as good as these tacos. And it was like a cheap place, but it was a place that one, some local guy, it's like, we got to go to this place. I could have sat there all day and waited till I got hungry again and just kept eating tacos. And I think I've been searching for that taco for a long time since then. Um, was, was it a uh, fried or it was fried? Fish? It was fried. We were, they were cheap. They were pretty cheap, but I think locally they were pretty expensive, probably $3 a taco or something like that. Um, we actually have a Mexican restaurant in my hometown here in England, and I think it's the best restaurant in town. And their fish tacos are very good, but they're a little overfried. And I find that that can be a little overpowering. Like they have a wonderful slaw on top of it, but the the fish is it's just a little overdone. And I think that's something about here. They like to fry fish with a lot of batter. Like fish and chips is is heavy batter meal. Yeah, that was what I was curious about in Baja. Was it like a heavy, like, what is it, like a beer batter, I guess, maybe you'd think of? Is like a heavy, or is it very light, like um, tempura fry? Yeah, I mean, more more of, uh, I don't know, because I, I haven't eaten really good tempura personally. And a lot of the tempura I've eaten, it's like kind of heavy itself, or at least it's, it's voluminous. Um, but this was... I think a light batter and it's so many years ago now. This was right when I got out to California that it's just, it's just in there as this memory. I mean, we drove across the border and then the first thing we did was just go crush tacos. So I just want more of that. All right. So to the tacos that we made here, sounds like Reese made some fish tacos. Pete, what did you go with? I went with a, again, back to what my inspiration was. I tried to go, simple or uh, traditional authentic i kind of looked all over the place and again i'm a in contrast to Reese, at least at our core i'm definitely more of a recipe person so when i'm looking for recipe and i'm I'm getting kind of off topic a little bit but I'll, i'll look obviously some internet google searches but i'll also look on social media um i have found some good recipes on social media i think they need to be vetted a little bit more but usually get a video and a picture so you can get some sense of what the outcome might be. But I ended up going with a um, reliable source here. It was an allrecipes.com. Very popular, allrecipes.com. Yeah, and I think it has like 10,000 reviews and it was like 4.7 out of 5. So I just felt like it was going to be a a good recipe and kind of what I was looking for. So it was uh, an authentic carne asada, so just like a steak marinated steak um taco and then the one interesting point that i'm excited to share with you both is i went down to since we were doing a special podcast for for Corey here i went down to the um the local butcher and i was talking to the butcher about steak cuts i had come in there with an idea to either use i think like hanger or flank steak and he pulls out this cut that he called a gaucho cut Oof. and that the cut of steak was um it had a lot more marbling on it, you know, not a, not like huge 
swaths of marbling fat that you almost turn you off, but just like little pockets that it looked like a really nice piece of meat. And he was like, this is the same price as the flank and the hanger. And it's so much more flavor. Like you're going to have such a better experience. So I took him up on that and he was right. It was, it was a pretty phenomenal steak. I think part of it was the recipe and the, and the marinade I did on it. But this gaucho cut, I was excited to um, share with you both. I did some research on gaucho cut and maybe my, Research skills need um, some enhancing, but I couldn't really find any information on what a gaucho cut is. So <laughs> I don't know if it's something that my local butcher has created or um, if I just need to look into it a little bit further. But if you run into a gaucho cutter, go down to your butcher and ask about it. I would, I would certainly recommend. Okay. Yeah, this guy, they have like their whole operation behind the counter and he's breaking down whole cat uh like pretty much. Yeah, so they they cut out their pieces. Um and uh again, like the the key thing with the gaucho was that it had this like beautiful marbling when you contrast that to the hanger or the flank steak, there's not that much marbling and I think I think most of us would agree that marbling equals flavor, so it was um if you can find it and it's and the price is similar. So what did you it, do with it? You you did, it sounded like you had a marinade. Yeah. How long did you marinate it for? And then what was the cooking? Um, was the actual cooking process like? And then yeah, what, this what was the other nice with? thing. The the marinade was pretty short because again it's like a thinner piece of steak. So I marinated it. I don't know for like two hours maybe. Um, and the marinade consisted of kind of like Chris was talking about, just a lot of fresh. Uh, herbs, olive oil, soy sauce, garlic. Um, I'm just looking at the recipe, honestly, as I'm talking to you guys. Lime juice, like fresh herbs and um, some spices. Uh, chili, oregano, cumin, some of the, some of the you know, again, the Chris Reese staples. Like, he could whip this up in his head. Um, make that into a little, little herbaceous, spicy marinade. Let that sit for, again, two to three hours, depending on what the schedule is. I don't think it's going to get – nothing's going to happen to it if you let it sit for too long. And then um, – and then we cooked it. Cook it on the stove. Yes. No, I think I roasted it. I did it last week. I can't remember actually. I think I. I think I roasted in the oven, Corey. Isn't these thirty-four? Okay. And then it's... this is what happens when you turn thirty-four. <laughs> it sounds like you had some 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 uh, raw onions going along with this, maybe. Maybe some maize tortillas. Tell us I a did. Bit. I did attempt Set to make the tortillas. There. So. Um, oh yeah. yeah wow. To finish my little <laughs> spiel here, um, the masterclass subscription that uh, was recommended to me by you and some other friends. There is a wonderful. I actually made, not coincidentally, some a different taco recipe from masterclass for Chris Reese on this call. Um, so anyway, I used that recipe to make the tortillas i didn't have a tortilla press this is back to like kitchen items like i'm not a fan of uh unitaskers things that can only be used for one thing um so i don't own a tortilla press but i think 
my, uh, you know, uh, when I rolled out the tacos, it, or the, excuse me, the, the, the shell I'd created, I think that's where I ran to trouble. I was basically using a flowered uh, wine bottle and I had some parchment paper. Sure. And so I didn't get, the, the, the taco was sticking to the paper. I just didn't have a great experience. So I can see that maybe that's why people use <coughs> a, um, a shell press, but I didn't have that. So for next time, I might consider some alternative options for rolling it out in a better fashion. It sounds like the Crisofoli family needs a, a rolling pin, possibly. But don't worry. My Turkish family brings that kind of stuff straight from uh, straight from the source whenever they come by. I have like four rolling pins here of all different types. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bring one over. The multi. How were they? How were the tor- how were the tortillas? So so you cooked these after rolling them out. I would imagine you uh, threw them on the pan for a little bit, a little oil or something like that. Correct. Uh, no oil. I just had a cast iron pan. Um... And I just warmed them up, I don't know, for like 30 seconds. Was this your side, maybe? first time doing a, a tortilla? Yeah, it's just, um, I found, I think it's called, um, it's called Harissa Reina. You can find it, I found it at Whole Foods. It's just a, like a, a ground maize flour almost. And then I just, you just mix it with water and you create the dough. Yeah. And then I just made some little balls out of the dough and then had my little roller situation that I think is where I ran into trouble. I may have not had the dough consistency right either. I mean, this is my first time. I think that goes back to like having experience, which is why I'll, tr- I'll try to make it again and make it again so I can kind of perfect it or make it a little yeah. bit better. Um, so yeah, I cooked them on the, in the cast iron for like 30 seconds each. And they, they just broke apart. Like they were tasted good. My wife who is a good critic. She'll tell me if something's not good. Um, she was like, these tortillas taste good. They, they just, they're broken apart. You know, the presentation sure. wasn't there. It was lacking. How was the overall, how, how would you grade the overall recipe and execution? The steak marinade was, was phenomenal. The steak was very good. And then the gaucho little, seemed uh, like the, the, the champion here. Yeah, and then I made a little, um, again, this is uh, back to like the Chris Reese uh, um, influence here. I made a little roasted vegetable um, salsa, maybe you'd call it. There was like a roasted jalapeno, an onion, garlic, um, some whole chilies, some whole dry chilies um, that, I, that I ended up soaking in water to kind of rehydrate. And then I blended the roasted vegetables with that rehydrated chili just in a blender and that kind of made a like a salsa or sauce that i put on top so it was just a steak and then that sauce that had onion in it that had garlic in it on top uh in the in the shell in the, in the that tortilla. sounds nice that is very true recommend. to the it's very true to the taco you were describing earlier from new york city kind of no sounds like no cheese no guac no sour cream no, and I think there's a time and place for that. Um, like I was talking to my, my brother this morning about a breakfast taco he made. Um, so that's, I mean, that's why I like tacos. I think they can be taken in a variety of different avenues or fashions. Um, yeah. But yes, this that was my inspiration, that, that simple sure. uh, concoction. So Chris, you had mentioned that you went with the fish taco. So I had two journeys. What kind of fish did you go with? Yeah, this was a this was okay. a you know this was a two journey taco situation. 
because the first time I did tacos, um, I did them twice this past week, which, yeah, I mean, that says, uh, I've, well, one was I grabbed some chicken and I, I thought like, well, just make some like easy chicken tacos. Anyway, it's very dry. Um, uh, I don't think I'm ever making chicken tacos again. <laughs> what kind of chicken did you get? I got chicken this, thighs. This is the roasted thighs? Oh, yeah. I got thighs. Thighs are, I mean, I, there's no reason to buy chicken breast. Let's, let's just throw that out there. I, I, I think it's, it's, it doesn't taste good. It's bland. <laughs> yeah. Particularly, like, if you don't have the skin on it, that is, you just don't buy chicken. I don't know why you're doing that. It doesn't taste like anything. Like, eat tofu at that point. Um, so, it was chicken thighs. Um... I will say, I think I just, I, there's not a lot going on for me with the uh, roast. I, I think that is a place where if I was to make chicken tacos again, I'd have to follow a recipe because I'd want to probably shred the chicken and put it into some kind of sauce. Like, I don't know, you get like, I don't know, tacos here in San Francisco. Like, if you ever really get chicken from a taqueria, I feel like it's always like shredded up and mixed in with a sauce, uh, which I did not do. And now I realize that's for a good reason they do that. Uh, so I did fish tacos. Um, I got some cod, about a pound. Um, I threw, there's a little bit of cumin in there, salt and pepper, um, and a little bit of cayenne. Um, put that in the oven. What was, what was your vision of what you were going for? Is this a like replace the ground beef of the Ortega taco kit? And this was like uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling too hot after uh, you know the a wedding in in Arizona where I was pretty sure I was going to be a super spreader. Um, fortunately, did not have COVID, uh, but. Uh, my thought was like I'd like something nice and light. Um, okay. And so I basically got let's see here. It was corn tortilla. Um, the fish was pretty straightforward and like easy done in the oven. Um, cabbage. I bought a little bit of the cabbage, shredded that up. Easy. Red cabbage, white cabbage. It's like what? Honestly. I never buy cabbage too often. So this was an interesting thing of that. It was, I, I don't know, it's, it's either green or white. Yeah, green, white. Okay, yeah. green. Um, avocado, a pico de gallo, and a little bit of sour cream. And that was basically... When you, you, you bought the pico de gallo. No, I made it. Which, I mean, that's tomato, onion, jalapeno, a little bit of lime, and salt, and cilantro. Right, whichever whichever item you like more, add more of it. I usually put a little bit of red wine vinegar in with it. Um, but like good t- good refrigerator uh, thing to have oh, around too. Great. You could eat it the next day. Totally. I mean, yeah. Uh, I said that was really it, and like super simple but great. I liked it a lot. How'd you cook the fish? Just in the oven. I was going for like, I wanted, I think there's two ways I could have gone with this. I could have like, well, fried it would be one option, but I really wasn't looking for that. Um, 
or like nailed it in a pan. But I just wanted like the fish to be cooked through, but lightly. And, sure. and so that's why I didn't pan fry it. And, and then I just kind of like crumbled it in on the bottom. But I think the key for me is like, it was interesting to hear Pete made his own tortillas because like, I do think at the end of the day, you need to have like a great tortilla. And there's a difference, like buying the super cheap ones versus buying the nicer ones is it's probably worth it to buy the nicer ones, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Especially on the corn tortillas. I find if you buy bad corn tortillas, they break oh, and yeah. they're I mean, flavorless. There's a reason that really good taco places are making their own, right? Or buying them from someone that's doing that process. Uh, yeah. But like they're not buying cheap off the shelf ones. There's totally a reason. Yeah. And it's because like the flavor is way better. Yeah. They do make a nice tortilla, I remember over there. I think Mission Tortillas. Is that the. That's one of the tortilla companies. Yeah. They make a flour corn mix. I actually I think like some pretty good. I think I like flour tortillas for fish tacos as well. Like you, they, they go. Yeah. Uh, time and place for a flour tortilla. Sure. Yeah. So I went with something very similar to yours, Chris. Uh, went with the white fish. Didn't really want to. Didn't really want to make meat. Um, buy ingredients a little bit tough over here. I, I wanted to get, I had a, a recipe from, I think it was like Rebecca's cooking or something like that. And it called for a couple things. Some, some Mexican cheese, some, some white crumbly cheese, uh, just fish. And then a little bit of a slaw on top. I couldn't find the cheese and I didn't want to go with I don't really have a problem with no cheese on a taco, especially with fish. We don't usually eat cheese with fish, uh, at least in our in our home. I know the McDonald's fish fillet does have, a, I think, a slice of cheese, but Which we weren't going to go with the with the. That is a it is a classic. <laughs> it, it is a classic. For a, that's um, for a different show. <laughs> definitely for a different show. the The fish was pretty good, but it. I found uh, I had a marinade that was similar. It was some cumin. Having a kid, I lowered out, lowered back on the spicy stuff. So I really didn't have chili powder or cayenne. I put a little bit of chili powder in there. Salt and pepper, lime juice. Um, I think I had too much, and I think it was too wet because I I had it marinating for maybe an hour in a glass. Thing. And then it called for two pounds of fish. I didn't have two pounds. I had maybe a pound and a quarter. And it was kind of swimming in this. And then I moved it straight from there into the oven. And I think that the cooking in this heavy, very wet marinade um, caused it to do a little bit more of a boil than a like a, like a nice heating, um, which was disappointing because I – cook a lot of fish and I rarely cook fish fillets. I usually cook whole fish. So I just have them clean out the whole fish and it's very simple. And then you just kind of, you know, pull back the skin and you got the fillet right there and you can just get at it. I sort of wish I had done that. I wish I had gotten a sea bream or a sea bass or something, made a whole fish and then just pulled from the whole fish into the taco making process because I ended up having just this 
it was kind of, I don't want it wasn't soupy, but it was maybe a quarter of the way up the fish. There was a little bit of liquid. It was a little packed in this dish I had too. So, um, and I, I, the only, my only fish, right? Yeah. My only problem with it wasn't, it wasn't really the cook because I, I have a new instant read thermometer. If you guys don't have one of these awesome. And I just use that. Yeah, it's maybe a thermopan. It's a Tim Ferriss suggestion, I think. It was an expensive one. I paid like fifty pounds for it. What is it, uh, what is the instant read? Do you plug it into something or? Yeah, it's a, a <coughs> it's a metal probe, and you put it in, in it, and it just immediately tells you the temperature within three seconds. And I cook. I, I live with it now. Like I don't really look at. I know the timing of cooking things. It's very similar to what what Chris is showing you here on the video. Like. I know the timing that you're supposed to do, but all that really matters is the temperature, and it gives you a much better idea of where the food is at. Honestly, Pete, these things are worth having in the kitchen. Like, reads right away. It's already reading the temperature in the room. They're great. Yeah, yeah cooking cooking something in Chris's little Breville compared to like your kitchen oven is going to be very different. So yeah, and you can also see page. if you do it like a couple times. With the fish, let's say, you can watch how the, the temperature is going up and you can decide to, at the right time, you know, uh, like take it out because it's going to keep cooking after the fact. So it cooked pretty well. I, I found it was not overcooked. It wasn't dry. It just wasn't as flavorful because I think some of the spices and the salt and pepper and stuff had, had kind of leaked out, I guess. Um, and then I made this slaw. So I got cabbage as well. I couldn't get my hands on any of that soft green white cabbage. So I was using red cabbage that I had to f chop really fine. I had my wife actually do some of the the prep. Um, I was out picking up my son. So she ended up cutting up the slaw, cutting up some limes. She kind of put them all in a, a, a plate. So you had the slaw, some avocado chopped up, limes, um, I'm trying to think. Maybe some tomatoes cut up. Maybe some raw red onion. I ended up taking pretty much all of that, putting it all into a bowl, adding a little bit of mayo and a little bit of uh, Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. And uh, same spices. They The recipe really called for a lot of the same spices, all the recipes. Cumin, chili powder, salt, maybe a little pepper, lime juice. Um, and that was nice. The slaw adds, I think, a nice texture to the taco. I also couldn't yeah. find smaller tortillas. I couldn't find corn tortillas also, and I wasn't going to make tortillas. So I had pretty sizable flour tortillas. Not too big, not burrito size, but pretty sizable. So it could fit all of that. You know, the 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 fish in there and then the slaw and then maybe a little avocado even. Um and and then I I, you know, painted the whole thing with Chalua sauce, which was really necessary because I found the fish to be a little under-seasoned. So the hot sauce came in. It was a very nice crutch to lean on. It always is. So what do you what do you think the, <laughs> the issue with the fish it was? It, uh, it always is. I think just having it as wet as it was. Yeah, I think, like, if it's drier and you cook the food dry um, – because I wasn't cooking it for long, right? It was 15 minutes at most that this was cooking. It the, the salt really like seeps into it and stuff. 
But when it was all wet like that, I just don't think it really got into the fish the fish meat. Say fish meat? Fish. Um, but overall, it was good. It was a very... It was a fun meal, too. Because my son was sitting there. We would make little tortillas and put a little food in it. Give it to him. He'd throw it in his mouth. He was a me- bit of a mess. But, like, the whole making of the taco... It's a, it's a fun time. I also... Oh, I also created a little... Um, a little sauce. So this was just mayo, yogurt, and sriracha. Sriracha. Yeah. Sriracha? Sriracha. Uh, which was part of the recipe. I was surprised. It wasn't like some Mexican hot sauce. They went with the uh, Thai? It's like Americanized Thai sauce. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, But it was very good. And again, added a little... A little bit of, I don't know, something about that dairiness. I kind of like it in the fish taco. I do wish if I could go back and I had a full set of time, I would probably try to fry them. I think fried fish tacos. Fried are very fish, good. Is great. I, I don't will say fried fish. It just you're you just have to be prepped for it to smell like it for the next for the next day yeah. or so. Just the whole air to smell like fried fish. But it is great. My mom used to do it all the time. What? I will say, I, really? I, I don't, I don't trust myself on the home home fried fish. Deep, you're talking about home deep fry, right? Home like yeah. no, just like pan frying. You know, like you dredge in your egg wash or whatever. Dredge and, it. Yeah, put some like breading on it and throw it in a throw in a little bit of oil. I mean, it's good. I like so just it. a little bit of oil, not not submerging it in oil. I'm not trying to. Deep to fry. I'm not trying to. Yeah, I I I don't deep fry. Um, I've just never done it. Honestly, it scares me. That that scares me. I I deep fried some I deep fried some eggplant uh, maybe a month ago and it was really good and it was a good amount of oil. I bought a big thing of vegetable oil. Vegetable oil is so cheap. Yeah. You can buy a gallon of vegetable oil for a dollar. Do you do it in a Dutch oven or a, what kind of like a? Yeah, I used a, I used a, a Dutch oven so that I could have a, a nice wall on the side of the the pan because you're gonna get some of that splatter. You also have to make sure you dry it, whatever you're you're uh, frying. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess you dry it, and then once you do the dredge, and you have that, it's hard to operate with these things that you've just coated in the breadcrumbs or something. Because every time you touch it, you kind of move the breadcrumbs around. I, I'm not great at that. I think that's something you got to get better experience at. Is just like how you do the dredge, get it in the crumbs, and then pop it into the fryer um but i found it to be good it's just that you're cooking in oil so the whole thing gets saturated in yeah. some oil it's phenomenal i mean yeah but i mean chicken cutlets those are those are a great thing so you know there's yeah. that's the only time i've ever done it uh i i have seen a lot of fish recipes recently where and i've cooked this where especially with a filet i'll just put it on a plate of flour and just get flour on both sides and then do what Chris is talking about, which is not like a deep fry, but just a yeah. a pan fry. And yeah, exactly. that flour adds a little bit of hardiness to the, the fish. Because sometimes fish, especially white fish, you get a, a, a filet of white fish. It can be so m- meager sitting there. I, 
I think it locks so in some want, moisture you too use, for the, your, to You're your kind point. of using the fish as a vehicle for some texture. And then is it is it more let me ask you this. Is it more about the toppings or is it more about the protein? Well, I think if I, a good fish taco is about the protein well, it's about the whole thing. So I like the slaw because it allows that crunch and the texture to come in with a nice piece of fish. Maybe I didn't have the best piece of fish as well. That's why I would probably move over to the full whole fish and pull the meat off the whole fish because I have found whole fish cooking so easy and the fish is so good. Like we get trout, sea bass, sea bream. Those are the three we probably go to the most. And I probably wouldn't go with the trout, but the other two, because it's just got a little more of a fishy flavor. The other two, especially sea bream, it's kind of a nice fatty white fish. Phenomenal. Uh, it's just you, you have to deal with bones a little bit more. That's my experience. Yeah. It. Well, Pete, I'd like to know, do you, do you cook whole fish? No, I was actually thinking as Corey was talking, I'm, I'm a little um, maybe intimidated is, is the which doesn't really happen in in the kitchen, but um, yeah, I'm just thinking like where do I get? This kind of sounds silly. I'm sure I can find it, but like where do I get a whole fish? To Corey's point, does the fishmonger clean it? So like, don't you have to, you have to like to scale it, to bone it? Does um, that butcher you were talking about have fish? No, he's meat only. There's definitely a fishmonger that could do this. Does your fishmonger debone and descale your? Yeah, so I get it at the butcher in our town, and or the farmers market. There'll be people coming with fish sometimes. There's a guy who runs a trout farm, and then there's a a fishmonger who comes with it in the back of his truck. That's all cleaned. He sells fillets as well, but he'll sell whole fish. I also okay. So then the butcher will sell whole fish. They will clean it. They'll clean it on the spot. So they, they're showing the fish uncleaned, and then they'll clean it. I have wanted to clean a fish myself just because I have some cookbooks that go through it and stuff, Jacques Pepin, but I, I have never gotten to that. And then we actually have a um, – there's a Portuguese restaurant here, and the guy owns a Portuguese restaurant and an Italian restaurant in town, and he sources, I guess, a lot of fish for these two restaurants – and he, on the days of the farmer's market, his Portuguese restaurant is just kind of on the square where the farmer's market's happening. So he'll just bring a couple tables out and some buckets of ice and just start selling fish. And that, he's not that, really that, in. Man, he's, I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best. He's not really in the farmer's market, but he's he's right Never there. And the he, farmer's market. Yeah, yeah definitely. The guy he's getting. The fish shop is like, hey, what's. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got the good stuff too because he. I've had some of these fish on his menu, and I think I can trust that it's uh, it's good stuff. And well, he, he'll talk you. about the do different you think, fish. You think he's selling the old fish that he needs to get rid of, or he's selling the new fish I've, on the yeah. way in? What I've <laughs> questioned it. I've, I've questioned Did it. I, I mean, libel in uh, in the UK. <laughs> he's also. There's no prices. The prices are a little more questionable. Like, he kind of rings it up and then tells you what it is after he's bagged it and has it in your hand. And yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes Sorry. he'll throw Slander. in a couple of this, a couple of that. It would be slander, not libel. Uh, my mistake. But I. Uh, that seems great. I mean, that's the best of 
there used to be a person that I picked up fish from here that it was a uh, sea to table or something like that, where you could go down to the core. You might've been there for one of them. You'd go down to like the, like one of the piers and they had like relationships with um, fishermen. They just opened up a restaurant in the mission. I kind of wonder if, uh, I feel like there's probably a lot of laws in the U S against, against them being able to sell fish. But I wonder if they sell it at the restaurant. You know who does it here? There's a lot of those fish fish delivery spots. Yeah. Which, that's become a big thing. That's a big thing. Pete, is that is that at all a thing on the East Coast? We're going from a bunch of different locations here, so it's kind of interesting to think about that. Yeah. Is that something... Where you kind of sign, sign up, right? It's like a co-op almost for fish. Yeah, I think they have that around here. I don't, I don't know where it's sourced from. I haven't looked into it. There's a pretty big... Um, fishmonger and they they do wholesale as well as retail so maybe this is inaccurate but in my opinion if if there's if they're moving a ton of volume like it has to be pretty fresh and they probably have a lot of customers so yeah um if i'm going to do something like a big fish i'd probably go down there um and like i said they have a ton of ton of inventory and it's pretty fresh so i would trust them if i was trying to do something like that the big thing for me has been that my mind has changed on fish in the last five years or so, in that I think good wild caught fish is the, it's sort of the last fresh thing around. Because I don't think you're going to find on the land animals, I mean, yeah, you want the grass fed beef or pasture raised chicken. But even then, who knows how confined they are in their living situation or something like that. If you get a piece of wild fish, that thing is Roman freak, and it is eating what it eats. And you have to watch on the the heavy metals. I, I kind of stay away from the uh, the big fish, the tuna, swordfish, things like that. But as far as smaller fish, if I can find wild um, wild fish, I think it's like the healthiest thing, protein wise, as far as animals are concerned. Well, let me ask you, like, okay, so all of this kind of brings up a thought that I had as I was thinking about these tacos is I really did not need to go with even, like, I could have done a veggie taco, and um, my brother's wife does, like, sweet potato tacos that are great, and they made them when we were, we were all home over the holidays, and they made them, and it was awesome. I find myself eating less and less meat, but just over, well, in my mind, it feels like overpaying, but it's actually just like better quality stuff, so it should cost more. Um, I don't know. You two have kids. The like, does that like? Are you? Do you find yourself cooking more meat or less meat with kids? Yeah, like, I try to be. <clears throat> how do you think about protein, like, uh, like or red meat and meat in general? Uh, like, is it a foundation of the plate? Is it something you find yourself cooking more of than you had as a kid, less of than you had as a kid? What does that What does that look like for you? I always grew up in a house where it was like the meat was the center of the meal, <laughs> and there was there was like some veggies there as well, but they were more of like an afterthought to to the meat. Yeah, if I'm just talking about Monday through Friday meals, I will we try to have a more balanced plate even some days like we'll probably have we, we try to have like a meatless monday so we'll make like a vegetarian or vegetable based dish on mondays um i mean if i'm indulging i just won't even if it's like a weekend meal i won't necessarily think about 
the plate balance, but yeah, from for the majority of the week, you know, I'd say we try to make it more vegetable focused um, as like the foundation of the of the plate, and then grain and maybe even like a you know a, a little bit of meat. So not not a not a huge amount of protein um, Monday we, through Friday, I would say. We've cut out meat a lot. I mean, compared to what I was as a kid, I, it was the same as you. Meat centered. What are you having tonight? You know, you're not having broccoli or sweet potato. You're having chicken or steak or pork chop or something like that. That's how it was. Uh, a couple of things going on in my family. You know, Asahan's from Turkey, and that's a meat-eating culture, and especially a red meat-eating culture. So lamb and beef, a lot of lamb and beef um, and chicken, but obviously no pork. And I think it's also a – she gets a lot of parenting advice or thoughts from her family. And a lot of that is still a little bit less, you know, millennialized than the U.S. parenting situation. So a lot of the core foods are – Ground beef. There's a lot of ground beef um, for my son. I don't eat a ton of ground beef. And then, as I was telling Pete earlier, it's kind of ground beef mixed with maybe some rice and some vegetables into one big meal, like almost a paella of sorts. And then for us, we we watch our meat consumption. I eat almost no meat during the week, during the day. I'll pretty much just eat tofu or tempeh with salads or I'll have actually no meat. I usually don't eat breakfast. Um, But then the meat over here in England I think is a lot better. And I'll go to the butcher to pick up any meat we're going to get almost almost 80% of the time. Maybe I'll get some chicken from the um, supermarket and even that will be the – ideally the like – pasture raised running around chicken you can find that stuff here more easily there's not these giant chicken breasts or you know huge aisles of like that are uh, the american meat aisle is such a crazy thing it's like these huge rump roasts that are the size of (laughs) of a five-year-old child that they're selling in the back broil it's like a it's like the size of a kid's thigh you know Yeah, I mean, the juices are like practically, you need another bag just to hold the London broil because it's so, yeah, it's so large. It's like they they just took the big piece off of the, off of the steak, off of the cow. Uh, No, but well, well, Pete and I were talking about sort of slow cooked weekend creations. I'll do that a bunch. And that's probably where most of our meat eating comes from, which is like cooking a lamb shoulder or some some short ribs or um, wanting to test out a, you know, as I said, I made that eggplant. That was for eggplant olive vodka. So I'll, I'll go with veggies a lot more. Um, how about you, Chris? You said you were eating this more recently. More recently, you said you were eating eating vegetables. Is that, um, what do you think is the cause? Are you not hungry for, for meat? I just don't know if it's good for I, I'm not sure if it's well, I think like red meat I've I have it so rarely at this point that I end up just like I think there are ways of like you can get 
grass-fed beef and you can like i mean we're fortunate in that i think we all live near a place where you can get good meat um do you think the whole foods red meat is healthy i standard level whole foods red meat i have i i I would rather go and buy a more expensive thing from like a butcher somewhere um and that's just because i'm not eating it that often and so when i do it's more of like um a treat myself moment um and i will pay double the price for that like you know going to a butcher that's going to be more expensive and like at the end of the day like I think the meat's better. There's a, but like you can go to butchers that have like relatively local grass fed meat that's great here in the Bay Area. And like, you know, you're like, or supposedly grass fed. There was a big uh, scandal here where they were buying their meat from Costco and rebranding it and saying it was grass fed at one of these places. Wow. So I think you still have to be like semi aware that maybe you're not getting the best stuff. And I know there's been some controversy about like fish and in supermarkets being mislabeled also an issue. Um, but well, that's something I, when I learned that a lot of farmed fish are fed soy and corn and they're fed like chicken too. They're fed like all sorts of random things that they would never normally eat, which is why like farm rate. I, 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 I if it's farm raised, I generally just don't buy it. And I know that might be maybe yeah. like from a, I, I like, I, I can't even imagine it's good for the planet. These like, fish farms um and i think the saying that like you are what what you eat eats that's what gets me is i i really do believe that an animal that's you know i've seen if you haven't seen super size me too where they talk about the chicken industry and what's going on in the chicken industry it's crazy and these animals live like terrible lives and they're fed pretty they're fed a diet that you would not eat yourself. No chance. Yeah. So you should be questioning how how efficient can their body be if they're taking food they weren't meant to eat and then being stuffed with it to the gills so they can get as big as they can. And then that's what you're deciding to eat. Like I would never eat that much corn or, or soy or whatever it is they're eating. Um, all right, guys. I think we have covered a lot of things on the taco front. I really appreciate your time here. I Are there any thoughts on a uh, potential next cooking e- escapade? Something you guys find might have a little meat on the bone, if you will, for us to, well, us to chew on. I, I have about 20 tortillas to get through now. Uh, so I'll probably be making tacos for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to... I gotta have some excuse to whip out these soda ca- these soda bottle sized hot sauce, you know. And so that's this is perfect yeah. excuse. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I would like to actually attempt to tackle. I mean, like Otto Lenghi has a bunch of vegetable recipes. I could go after a vegetable recipe. Um, yeah, I think that's a good. That's a good. I will try point. to document. I will try to photograph and document my uh, my attempt at. He, he, his are just so like uh, crazy and organized. Uh, that's yeah, a, Pete was talking about masterclass earlier, and Otto Lenghi's masterclass is phenomenal. Like, do you guys both really have really easy? I do. Yeah. 
he really has a nice um it's not very strict you know and, and he brings a lot of different things in where it has that mediterranean feel obviously like it, and a lot of you know i got introduced to duca through autolenghi which are like taking a bunch of seeds and nuts toasting them and then either pulsing them in a blender or putting them in a mortar pestle and i find that to be it's phenomenal unlike anything and you can choose how much you want to add um so we can go with veggies that sounds good i'm good with that as well i might try to uh roast a whole fish now you've inspired me to do that you should i think it's a a bit of a revelation to me realizing how easy it is to ho to roast a whole fish just throw a couple lemon wedges in there maybe a little herbs put some olive oil salt and pepper all over it and just stick it in the oven do we land eat on... the eyeball i eat the eyeballs definitely <laughs> there he is Dude, I, i'd like definitely. to know is who have we decided what is the ideal home taco did we come to a conclusion on that I mean, to me, I'm, I'm kind of constantly after the home taco that I used to make as a kid, which was the, the, the shredded Mexican cheese that's that you'd get, or, you know, maybe cheddar, but it would kind of say Mexican cheese. Um, sour cream. I don't even think guac was a thing back then. It was sour cream, salsa. It was the ground beef with the seasoning on it and the tortillas. And I just remember the innovation I felt like my brother had come up with to put the cheese on first, followed by the beef, to let the cheese sort of melt there into the tortilla. And then you kind of put your things on. And it was – I love it. And it, it, you get the drip off the back of that taco meat juice coming from that uh, spice mix. So to me, that will never – I'll never grow old of that. Um, so what we're saying is the classic, uh, not let's, let's, we were, you're using tacos, but it is, it is the, you're using tortillas, but you're really looking for that classic American, uh, Ortega situation on some level. You're going, I, I, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. And I think that that's There's a great, wrong uh, with that. I think I, I enjoy that as well. I, I don't disagree. I think like, uh. Yeah, that's a, it's a good, like, uh, it's like having, uh, you know, almost like mac and cheese at some level. Yeah. On, Come. on the Ortega front, I have a fantastic homemade Ortega replica. So you don't need to buy the Ortega packet. You can use up some of the spices in your pantry. Very good. And it's simple and... That's what I need, because I, I question what's actually in those packets. I think that packet... They don't go. Yeah, that's 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 a questionable thing. I I do think if I go to Pete's house and he cooks me up some uh, gaucho, you know, gaucho and red onion tacos, I'm gonna be very impressed, okay. and I will approve wildly. I don't know if I would eat the classic American style with guests because I don't know that I hold myself together all that well when doing that. It's kind of a family thing. <laughs> I I've been to Pete's house for a taco night. Pete does a good taco night and an excellent margarita. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. We can get into margaritas on the next one. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. And we'll look for uh, look for a veggie 
veggie cooking session on the next one. Reese, maybe uh, maybe I'll I'll set it for thirty minutes earlier next time. For you. I like it. I like it. That'd be good. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you guys. Thanks, boys. Adios. Oh, wait, that's it? I know this music, that means it's the end. Well, at least I get to listen to Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates. These guys sure are groovy. Wish I could play this kind of music. Whew, till next week.